0: So, I realize I'm not the typical millennial woman. I got married at 22 and spent most of my 20s and 30s as a trad wife, cleaning a house, having babies, until it all fell apart. I remember my friends telling me to watch the TV show Girls. And I did, but I had no frame of reference for understanding it. It didn't resonate at all. I felt I understood the TV show Dexter about the serial killer cop with a heart of gold better than girls. I watched it envy as my friends had a more typical early adulthood, dating, going out late, stumbling and falling through careers and love. So often we lament those years of singlehood, especially as they drag into our 30s and perhaps our 40s. More and more women are waiting longer and longer to get married. Some are opting out altogether. But still, we seek love, we seek relationships. In a world, in a system, that seems designed to break our hearts, we still scrabble through, letting our still-beating hearts be vulnerable and open, no matter how hard it is. Welcome to This American Ex-Wife, I'm Liz Lenz. Today's guest, Minda Honey, is the author of the memoir, The Heartbreak Years, I first read Minda's writing in 2020 as I navigated the pandemic as a single woman who had pretty much given up on dating. Minda wrote about love in an honest way. She wanted it. But as a black woman in a world stacked against her, she wasn't waiting for her life to begin. She was creating life and community and art. Her life was now. Love was here. It just looked different. In her book, she writes... Maybe I'm foolish to be holding out for a relationship of true equals in this patriarchy. But at this point, there's too much at stake. In my 20s, it was easier to fall for men who weren't right for me. Those men were the portals into alternate realities, potentially better realities. I was searching for a man to build my life around. But in my 30s, I'm waiting to find a man who fits the life I've built. Amen, Minda. And I'm in my 40s. Minda is here to talk to us about those heartbreak years, singlehood, and all she's learned about love. Let's get to the show. Hello, Minda. Thank you so much for coming on my uh, little podcast where we struggle to pass the Bechtel test. Um,
1: (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. I was so excited when that email came through.
0: Yes. And your book is so wonderful. Um, I'm so excited um, for everybody to read it. And it's called The Heartbreak Years. And it's Minda's first book. And in it... um, she talks about her life as a uh, 20-something woman navigating the dating scene in the early 2000s-ish in Southern California. And kind of halfway through the book, um, you write about independence and you have this line that really kind of felt like a slap in my face a little bit and um i'm gonna read it so everybody can enjoy being slapped in the face by minda's writing um (laughs) it's fun experience and all right here's the thing if you want to be miss independent you can march right on into the land of grown-ups all by yourself you go on ahead and show the world It's wrong about your worth, but everyone else will be too busy holding hands with their soulmate to applaud for you. I had to know even then the system was rigged against me, but I couldn't shake the belief that I would never gain a certain level of comfort and confidence in my life choices until I had someone to come home to. I needed a man who looked at me with such deep adoration at the end of every workday that I no longer needed, that I no longer worried about whether I should be contributing more to my 401k. Um, <laughs> Nina, talk to me about that, about that idea. You know, we we tell women they can be anything and yeah, be an independent girl, but it's not, it's not quite that easy, is it?
1: No, I think we're constantly oscillating between acting and behaving in the ways of like the world we want to live in and then the world we actually live in so a lot of times I'm operating from the space or my ideology exists in the space of the world that I want to see where like you can be independent you can prioritize yourself your passions your wants your needs and be respected um and feel stable and financially comfortable and secure in who you are. But, you know, there are also that those moments in which I have to like accept the current contemporary mainstream reality, which is that a lot of times like unpartnered women just don't receive the same sort of respect. Uh, Financially, it becomes a lot harder to pull off that singledom and it only gets more and more expensive to be going life alone as you get older. Um, and not everyone is, you know, like, that To you have to, when you're doing life alone, You ha- a lot of times you have to compensate by paying for additional services and, you know, you're paying all of your bills by yourself. So, and I think that people really, like, pay lip service to the idea of the independent woman, but then when you look at the life that they're actually le- living are the partnerships that they're settling for – They're really kind of doing the opposite, and it's because it's just not as easy as you want to believe it is, even if it, like, feels good (laughs) to say it. Yes, and
0: single women are paid less. Right. Mm-hmm. We, we, uh, so we pay, we pay more in mortgages. We don't split the rent with anybody. Um, you know, there's all sorts of like data that shows that, like, you know, single women take hits in so many financial areas. And also, right, like I have to pay a lawn service because I simply do not have enough hours in the day, right, to like mow my lawn. Yeah. Um, it's something I can do, but it is like one of those things that I've just like, had to outsource right so that is an expense and then there's also i think there's also the personal cost and i wanted to talk to you a little bit about this because like i know from like being married for 12 years and then getting divorced and and it's not like you know people were fighting over me and my ex <laughs> in the divorce i got everyone except for like two church couples which i don't want <laughs> anyway like i mean take the whole church man i'm done but the um But I noticed, like, I wasn't invited out to all those couples dinners anymore, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I wasn't, it was, I used to get, like, I have a a very lovely friend who has, like, all these parties at her house, but she's always inviting neighborhood couples. And when I wasn't a couple, I wasn't getting invited. And I don't think it was necessarily conscious But I don't think it wasn't, you know, Mm -hmm. also. And so there's also a lot of those other things, too, where um, people just aren't considering you and respecting you in the same way. I think people view single women as a threat, right?
1: Yeah. Sorry, I was just thinking about um one of my friends. that because I, I want to buy a house, but I live yes. at, like downtown. I live next door to my sister and her husband and my little niece, and I cannot afford to buy a house in our neighborhood. And somebody was like, but you could like move out to the suburbs. I was like, those married women don't want me and like my coochie cutter shorts out there in the suburbs, like <laughs> bringing the trash in and out, pulling weeds out of my front yard. They'd be like, uh, uh-uh, get her up out of here. Get her. Uh-uh out of here
0: but, I do the are. same way when I like go out in my jorts my little glass of wine I'm like you know pulling weeds or like listening to a podcast and swinging on the little swing I'm like you know, you just like, you can feel people being like, that's the slutty single lady who lives <laughs> yeah. in the neighborhood. Yeah.
1: And I don't like, I don't know how to tell someone respectfully, like, I don't want your husband. <laughs> like,
2: that's. Oh, that's, I like, do like, that's not, not want, want.
0: anyone. <laughs> no, gross. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Right, like, oh, and that's such, I mean, you know, that is, that is a conversation that has happened to me at least once where I'm just like, oh, 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 no, I don't want your, your hand-me-downs, no, thank you, (laughs) yeah, it's not, that's not why I'm here, I want to be your friend, you know. Yeah. Yeah, but there is, but there is that sense of, like, single women as, like, a threat to, right, like, to, you know, oh, she's she's single, so she's gonna try to take my boyfriend or my husband. And- Sometimes
1: it's not even that; it's just like I think, just like the threat of someone is living a different mm. life from us and seems to be like happy in that life. Like, like oh, like that that, that idea in of itself is threatening. Like, I have friends who. Before they've gotten divorced, somebody else in their social circle got divorced, and they were very, like, upset about, like, the couple divorcing and, you know, pointing fingers at whose fault it was and, like, not wanting to socialize with, like, that half of the couple anymore And because in some ways divorce is contagious because then, like, a year, two years later, those same women are suddenly like, you know what, actually, I want to get up out of this marriage two so sometimes just the fact that there are other alternative ways of living can be can be seen as threatening you probably saw that in your in your church circle
0: oh this is ex- Exactly what I wanted you to say. Um, because, <laughs> because it is, I think there is nothing more destabilizing to the way we have organized our country, the way we've organized our tax base, the way we organize our SNAP benefits, our social so- safety net, the way we organize everything. There is nothing more destabilizing to that than a woman saying, I don't want heterosexual partnership, or Maybe, but not this way. You know, I mm-hmm. won't settle. I don't like it. And I will find a way to live a happy life. I think there are so many narratives that we create to shame women away mm-hmm. from this life. And the thing that I found with my divorce, because I didn't, you know, go into my divorce thinking, like, I'm going to be so much happier. I went into it because I was like, I am so miserable that I cannot, can yeah, I can, I just can't. I can't go down this path anymore. But I didn't think like it was all going to be sunshine and roses. And, you know, I I was going to get a better husband. I was like, all husbands are bad. I don't want any more of them. (laughs) And when I came out, I was like, this is great. Like people should know. Like people should know what it's like. Like you should know what it is. And I feel a little bit like an evangelist because I want to be like, actually Eden is terrible leave the garden of paradise come out here with me where <laughs> we have more free time where we have more gender equity where we have like at, at more like agency and yes other things are hard but i do think that that is why Society has these narratives of like shaming. Oh, you must be like some single miserable cat mom. And you're like, actually, this sounds great. You know, and I'm sure you've gotten that kind of feedback, like on the internet or something, right? Yeah,
1: I think it's nice that men are starting to realize that those sorts of things don't hurt women anymore. Like, like, like men used to love like telling me like this is this is why you're single. This is why you're going to be alone. This 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 and that and now they realize we don't care because we're literally like jetting off to Paris for a week because right. you have the time the money and their hot Parisian men to pursue like you know like v- right they realize who are not of-
0: holding fish in their profile picture oh my gosh the
1: fish the guns oh, the, the weird, guns. the weird up closeness like sir mm-hmm. you don't have the skincare regime to be holding the camera this close to your face <laughs> moisturize
0: moisturize I I think that's what patriarchy really robs men of is the ability to moisturize and clean their mirrors. Like it's just
1: yes, they love a filthy mirror. Yes, they... <laughs> I don't love a filthy. I mirror. just uh... <laughs> I've been off the apps for a few months oh, now, and like same, and same. every now and then I'll, I'll think about like, oh, maybe I should go back on. And then a conversation like this comes up. It's like, no, I'm not missing anything.
0: Yeah, I've been off for a while because I live... Well, you also live in a smaller city. Mm-hmm, I sure and do. I, Yeah, and you know that it's real easy to become regionally notorious. And so when I was on them, right, it's like as great as winning like a regional enemy. It means nothing but, uh, but just disaster for your life. And so there was when uh, it was like 18 months ago, maybe almost two years ago when I was still on. Like, people would match with me just to tell me they hated me.
1: Oh, my And then my unmatched gosh.
0: me immediately. And, uh, like, I know it's, like, all cool to be, like, I'm a tough feminist and i was like actually that sucks and it hurts me yeah feelings. you know and i was like mm, okay goodbye
1: I, had the, I didn't have like that issue because because like i'm a woman writer like <laughs> men just were not aware of me and like you know, my <laughs> you bio, don't read
0: women like yeah they read like, joe like, didion and no one else
1: I would be like, oh yeah, I'm a writer. And they'd be like, oh yeah, I do some writing too. I write my church's newsletter. (laughs) Or like, you know, the dude would have like self-published a book, which there's nothing wrong with self-publishing, but they would feel some type of way once they Googled me. And then they'd be like, oh wait, like you're a writer, writer, and like my male ego can't handle that. So yeah, I had like a like, you know, or they'd be like, oh, we should swap writing sometimes. It's like, bro, I get paid a lot of money to give people feedback on their writing like.
0: and can you imagine going up to like dating an accountant and being like oh you should do my taxes sometime like right and but you know what you you hit upon something else that I thought was interesting towards the end of the book too and I and I was curious about is you are smart like you are successful that you have uh and You've worked so hard to create this beautiful life for yourself and um, and it's a great life and any man should like look at that and be in awe and yet I know from my own experience they are not. They often find that threatening. Mm -hmm. So what has that experience been like in navigating that too?
1: Oh my gosh. The last guy that like I dated for more than a few months, he broke up with me because he said I was too easy to get along with. I was uh, too invested in my writing, and I traveled too much.
0: Um, Honestly, that sounds really like that's actually my ideal partner. That's why like, like, I was okay, like, "Okay, this... do you are you interesting? <laughs> do you have something that you care about besides you know like in life, and then you're easy to get along."
1: I was like, is this a breakup or a pep talk? Like, you know, yeah, I was like, what do you... I was like, you have like a full-time job and two kids. Like, why shouldn't I be invested in my writing? Like, what am I supposed to be doing while you're working and parenting?
0: Oh, I know the answer to this one. <laughs> I know the answer to this oh, one. You're God. supposed to take care of him. You're only supposed to be invested in him.
1: Well, it's just so frustrating because it's like these men are attracted to women like us, but then they don't actually, they want you to be this shiny, bright thing until they catch you. And then they want you to like dim your glow, you know, like then they, you know, they want you to like, you know, to just all of a sudden pivot and live a life in service to their life. And it's like, no, that that's, that's not what I want. That's not what I signed up for because the reality is, is that if they want a woman who wants to, you know, play house and do all of those things, those women exist. Like, there's a lot of them. They're attractive. They're really nice to hang out with. Like, they are out there waiting for you, sir. But instead, you're here with me. Why? And then over time, like I was saying about the other guy, they just get kind of mean and they try to chip away at you. And, And and I just, yeah, it's like you said, I could pretend to be like a big, strong feminist, but yeah, it like hurts your feelings after a while. And it's really, really frustrating. So that's definitely one of the things as I've gotten older is just not like not dating men who don't actually like me anymore.
0: <laughs> like, like, <laughs> Whoa! <you know? laughs> um, why is that so hard? Like, because why in is the it...
1: beginning they sh- they like love bomb you and they they make you mm. feel like oh you're so beautiful, you're so great, you're so singular, and these are all things you've secretly believed about yourself all along. So yeah. <laughs> to hear them say it, it's like yeah, exactly, dude. Finally, someone who appreciates it. And then sl- then they slowly over time reveal that they don't actually like all of those traits in a woman and you're just like whoa 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 what happened to the guy that like I was dating a month ago where did this dude come from so it takes a while to like reorient to the new reality but I'm
2: starting to do that much much quicker (laughs) I knew my marriage was over about like a few weeks after the 2016 election I don't know. I had voted for Bernie in the primary and my ex-husband didn't. I said something along the lines of Trump being, like, a racist. And my ex said, you know, you know, at least he's not a communist. And I was like, who is this person that I married? Tried to make it work for almost a year. Did couples counseling. And at some point I said, if something doesn't change, I can't go on. All of my friends can tell I'm miserable. People would be like, hey, is everything okay with you guys? Your, the body language was kind of, like, weird. We know when I eventually said, like, hey, I'm going to file for divorce. Um, and he had no idea. And the fact that he had no idea just made me know that I made the right decision.
0: You write as a woman there's a greater cultural obligation for me to find a man with potential than to fulfill my own and when i read that i had to put the book down and i was just like wow yes like and this is this is exactly what we're talking about um and why is this like why 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 are we like this like why are we so much more willing to invest in a Man's or our partner's success rather than our own?
1: I think we see it like, again, even if. The life that, like, is predetermined for us, set forth by, like, the nuclear family and the patriarchy and white supremacist Christian values, like, that sort of thing. Even though we, at some point, realize, like, oh, that life is not for me, that messaging is constantly being reinforced, so it's easy to fall back into it, and it's scary, like, it's scary to say, I'm going to do something different, Mm -hmm. And so you're constantly, as a woman, investing your time, your money, your emotions into a man um, because that's what society wants us to do. And even though that plan is just as risky and fails just as frequently as investing your time, money, emotions into yourself, you don't receive the same sort of blame, you know? So, Mm -hmm. you know, so so you so you're trying to like follow the plan and do the thing that's prescribed to you because otherwise everybody's going to point their finger at you and talk about like what a failure you are for being too strong and being too independent and wanting to do your own thing. So and I think it's also I don't know that I like directly speak about this in the book, but I'll write an essay about it at some point too because I what I do, did try to do was like yeah, it's the patriarchy it's these men, it's immaturity, it's all these things that are contributing to a lack of, like, good partners, but I also tried to explore, like, what I was bringing to the situation <laughs> and the ways in which I was not maybe the, the best Minda for many of those men, but I think also, um, like, what we're owed. I think that when we are investing in someone with our time and all of our resources, then we feel like they owe us. So, you know, and we see this played out again and again and again. The woman who works two jobs to put her husband through medical school because the expectation is that he is going to care for her financially for the rest of her their lives, like, that is what she's owed. Like, you raise someone's children – you're owed those retirement years traveling around the world. But as we know, just because you feel like someone owes you does not mean that they feel like they're indebted to you. You Mm. know, it's not a one for one ratio.
0: (laughs) And as we know, we do not value that labor. That labor is not valued. It's not valued inside of partnerships and it's not valued in our culture. You know, when when, you know, when a woman says like, I'm doing all the work, you know, the guy's like, well, I've been I've been making money all day you know and it it just it doesn't it doesn't really you know we we keep having these same conversations because we don't value the work that women do and yet we're told if you do x then you'll get x but that It doesn't ever, the payout never happens. The payout never happens. And when I was writing this book and I was talking to a bunch of ex-wives or even women who were married because a lot of, you know, the older women in my life who are married or stayed married for a long time, they'd be like, sure, it's bad for a couple decades but then it gets good at the end and I was like am I I'm not actually willing to spend Mm -hmm. 20 years miserable because maybe one day he'll retire and play golf far away from me like that sounds awful and I know that they meant it as wisdom but it actually to me sounded like an argument for what I was doing which was leaving
1: yeah yeah and I just think about how um drastically improved my life was when I started investing that mm-hmm. time that money that emotional support into myself like the returns that I saw were so much greater yeah <laughs> so much greater
0: and I think like too there's this idea like women have to do it for their partners or their children and I will tell you my children are so much happier when I'm happier right mm-hmm. like when I'm investing in myself and when i'm You know, doing things that make me happy. Like, we we set it up so that a woman's happiness is always at odds with the people around her. But I think that that's such a false dichotomy.
1: No. And I think one of the main reasons why I won't settle in a relationship other than like, it will make you miserable, but it's because I also have friends who are married to incredible men who are very supportive of them, who do Mm -hmm. want to see them happy, who are like, you know, investing their time, their money, their resources, into their wife or their partner's dreams and it's like yes. when I'm dating some loser and like I show up and I'm like hanging out with these women who like have like actual top-notch husbands I'm like uh, uh-uh, I can't I can't do it like it's one yeah. thing when you believe all husbands are like the worst that it's like okay they're interchangeable but when you realize like hey if you're going to do it there are there are some good choices out there so it's like I will only do it under those specific circumstances. Yes, it would
0: be a lot easier if we hated men, right? Like, if the smear oh, so were true, easier. if we were so just, much much like, sh- like the the men haters club. But it's that's not actually true. And sadly, I try. I keep trying. Um, but, uh, but it's actually, I think it's harder, right, to live with the complexity and to mm-hmm. say, like, I actually deserve better and want better. And you can be better. You can um, be better. Yeah, maybe not for me, maybe for someone else because I don't have time to raise it Go man. be better for you. Go be better yeah, for Yeah, go you. be better for you. Yeah, be better for yourself. Like, do you, <laughs> like, do you really want to, at 40, sleep on a mattress that's on the floor with that one nasty maroon sheet and dirty mirrors? Why don't you want better for yourself? Like, why don't you want to be happy? Like, why don't you want to go to Paris was... and get a bed frame and buy some cheese?
1: I was dating this divorcee and I remember one time we were at his house and I went to the bathroom and while I was peeing, I just happened to look over and his toothbrush looked like he'd been using the same toothbrush for like a decade. And in that moment, like in my heart, I was like, I know why she left. I know why she left. Oh, I? am <laughs> like, what, why, why with the tooth, like what? You put that in your mouth. I was like, how am I supposed to kiss this man? I just... Uh.
0: I always know why they why their wives have left. Like, when I date, obviously, a lot of divorce men, because I'm 40, but, like... And I also have children, right? And so... But, like, I remember dating this guy. Like, we went on a couple dates. He's really nice, like, a little intense, like, an ultra-marathoner, right? So, really... That's a, that's a whole person. Wait, aren't you an ultra marathoner?
1: <laughs> Didn't you right. run across the state of Iowa or Idaho? I did. <laughs> so I do Idaho. I just ran across
0: Idaho for fun. I'm picking up potatoes along the way. Um, no, yes, I do run a lot. And so this is where, like, my mental illness could, like, combine with someone else's mental illness. And we could be beautiful. <laughs> but, like... No, I mean, like, no, I don't run, a. have never run a marathon at, like, an 8.23 pace or something. I'm a lot slower. Um, I don't think that makes me less mentally ill, but it just makes me less better of a runner. But it was, like, he was really intense. He was, like, divorced, a little older than me. And I said, like, okay, why would you guys split up? And he was like, oh, same reason you did. But I had never said. And I was like, what's that? He's like, oh, we just didn't like each other anymore. And I was like, mm, okay. Like, that, it was like a weird thing to assume of a person. And, um, and then, like, you know, a couple of dates later when we finally slept together, it was so bad. <gasps> it was so And I was like, oh, I know why. I know why she's gone. Like, this is awful. And he didn't care. And I said, because I'm too old to, to not. I say something now, yeah. Like this was not good, or like you should, you know, do something else. And uh, and he didn't care. And I was like, okay, bye, never again. So and he, he had- literally was so like, he- "Are you breaking up with me because of that?" I was like, "Yes, because if you do not care about me in this way, then you don't care about me in any way."
1: So you t- this man cared more about his race stamina than his business stamina. Yes. <laughs> Like if you tell yes. me you're an ultra marathoner, I have some expectations. Right, <laughs> we're
0: gonna go 26.3 miles in bed. Like <laughs> we
1: better cross the finish line. Like we. Need to- oh, we're gonna finish. Yeah, that's yeah. The the, the trajectory of having sympathy for him <laughs> to your sympathy shifting to her is such a short one when when
0: dating divorcees. Like it's so. I short. think. Oh, and I think that that's like, it's, I always, like, I always, even if I deeply like the man, I always am like, but I, I trust your wife. Like, what did she say when you guys were splitting up? Like, I, you know, if, and if you're describing her as crazy, I'm out of here, you know, I'm out of here. Uh, yeah. If you're just like, one day she suddenly went crazy. I'm like, wasn't your child six months old then? Was it postpartum (laughs) depression? Like. I don't. Mm, I don't think that's suddenly changing. I think that that's a uh, illness. Oh my gosh! Anyway, it's fun out there, isn't it? Um. Okay, talk to me about what your idea of love was when you started dating.
1: You know, I. I think I've just always been very like idealistic. You know, like I've always. Really wanted that rom-com style romance, even as a teenager. I just I just really love the idea of romance, you know? And my parents are divorced, like they divorced when I was 12, but there was a lot of like, you know, chaotic years leading up to that divorce. So I think that's why I was so intrigued by the idea of romance and like being in love with someone and the way that someone's supposed to treat you when they're in love with you. Um, and, you know, it just, I, I just, I just held it very, very closely to my heart, as you can see in the heartbreak years that, you know, I do spend a lot of time just being very, very idolistic and, you know, into the romance factor of it all.
0: Um, something that you write about when you're talking about like how your your idea of love was really influenced by by these books and movies. And of course mine was too. All of ours were, I think, in some way, even if you're setting yourself up in opposition to it, I think that's still an influence. And but you know, you, you also point out that like there are not a lot of black women in those starring roles. Do you think those narratives are changing or are we still stuck in the same place?
1: I think it's, you know, both. I think that, uh, you know, after 2020, after all the social justice uprisings, we I, I sold a book, we saw this boom in people wanting to tell black stories and take black lives more seriously. So we saw a lot of books, movies, TV shows coming out. And now we're seeing that retract. We're seeing the... the um, backlash the the backlash from it very much in the way in which like a lot of this politically has been backlash in obama's pres to obama's presidency but i think also because the internet has become so fragmented our culture has become so fragmented there's a lot more niche groups and it becomes in this weird way easier to plug into your specific audience Mm -hmm. i always tell people you don't have to Compete for the opportunities you create. So when you look at someone like a Issa Rae, like she started out with Awkward Black Girl, which was a YouTube TV show. Each episode was like eight minutes that she just created with her friends, and then it became so popular among Black women that led to other opportunities and eventually to insecure. Um, and so in this way, it's like we are we're getting out there. We're creating our own opportunities. We're creating for each other. And Mm -hmm. then by the time the mainstream shows up, (laughs) shows up to write that check, you know, we've already got this large audience, um, you know, waiting to support us. We're seeing, I think, the same thing with like Abbott Elementary. Like Abbott Elementary, like, you know, Quinta Brunson, like that show is so So genius. And it's because, you know, she's been ready. She's just been waiting for the opportunity the check to come along
0: yeah you um you know that that kind of brings up the question that you and your friends kind of ask yourselves at the end of the book where you're like is this the canon you know and when i when i read that line i was like this book is the answer to the question because you're writing (laughs) the book you want to see in the world and you're writing the book I want to see in the world. Like I want to see more stories of women living life and finding happiness out in themselves. Like I want more stories of women falling in love, but falling in love with themselves and their friends, right? Like I Mm -hmm. want that story, um, more and more. And I, um, but you do ask, you know, that that question, is this our canon? And um I, I was thinking about that because I, I've been trying to watch more movies, you know, <laughs> be smarter, see cinema. And I saw this one movie um where it was like billed as this like feminist movie and and then at the end the woman works so hard to free herself of convention but then ends up like drowning herself in the ocean and I was like why are we still in the year of our lord 2023 drowning women in the ocean like the awakening and I just I was like why why can't we imagine better why why can't it be why can't we imagine Barbie going to the gynecologist a little bit more often rather than you know t- drowning yourself in the ocean, which I will never do, by
2: the way.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I mean that's the canon that was assigned to us, you know, they assigned that canon to us, but we don't have to accept that canon. We can create our own canon. And I kind of speak to that in the book as well. You know, like I read their eyes were watching God independent of school the first Toni Morrison book I read in school was Song of Solomon. And then after that, you know, I found more Morrison on my own. And, you know, as a professor, I've put together syllabi that are way more inclusive, way more expansive, um, mm. tell totally different stories than the ones that I, were, I was taught were important when I was, like, coming up. So, you know, we can make our own canon. We can tell our own stories. And, yeah, I think that we have to to think of different endings different possibilities you know just really like queering the canon in that way um and i also like even like the friend that i was on the phone with in that section of the essay like this is a friend who lived the inverse life of me where like she got married she got she had two kids she divorced she remarried and you know even though our lives were so different our friendship has superseded all of those differences and it's you know made me see that my life would not have potentially had any fewer hardships if I had gotten married and, like, found the person that I thought was right for me. And, you know, her lonely has been just as lonely. She's had to make hard, brave choices. She's got to think about, like, you know, she's raising a daughter. She's raising a son. Like, you know, their feminist values and how they're going to cope and what tools – she can give them to be their best selves in this world. So I think sometimes those friendships that cross over like the single married divide um, are fewer and further in between, but there's certainly value in them and value in like pursuing them and trying to maintain them at all costs because life will really, really try to undermine that.
0: (laughs) That's so important. And I, it all, you know, I have... I love to remind my friends, you know, when they're like, oh, I'm lonely or something. I'll be like, I was never more lonely uh, than when I was married. Like, there's nothing more lonely than sitting next to somebody on a couch who's supposed to care about you. Mm -hmm. And they have nothing to say to you. Right. Like, they do not care. You try to tell them about your day or some weird shit you read on the Internet. And they do not care. They just want to watch their Star Trek and go to bed. And, um... And, like that to me is so lonely. and and, you know, so right. I have I try to have a lot of different like ages of friends, different yes. types of friends just because, like my life is also very chaotic. like if I was only friends with like married women with children, <laughs> I would never see them because they would never come out to eat with me because, oh, you know, Jim's working later or whatever. <laughs> um although I don't have I don't actually think I know any husband's named Jim, so. So bullet keep, dodge Jim, there. Yeah, keep, keep Jim, Jim in your Jim. back
1: pocket as yeah. your example.
0: <laughs> exactly. Jim is the man. Uh, but yes, like you have to have, but I, but I do think like, right, it's important to see these other versions of your other self out there and to know that there actually isn't a right way to do this, that you can do everything right and it can still go so wrong and then you yes. end up in this and you end up back in the same place where you know you're alone in your couch watching the bbc you know pride and prejudice eating popcorn and <laughs> it's actually great that sounds like a great yeah. message <laughs> <laughs> is it truffle salt on the popcorn <laughs> uh, oh. i like the jalapeno like cheese oh shaker thing. so Getting yeah fancy. yeah i'm like does it taste like a salt lick um, So one of the reasons I wanted to have you on, although the podcast is called This American Ex-Wife and you are not yet an ex-wife. You could be in the future. Who knows? Um, But I do think that that the the energy and the ideas that I want to engage with are about the power of refusal and they're about you know looking at what is offered to women and saying no like I don't want this anemic version of life and love I don't want to toss my life and ambitions on the pyre of home and family and a man I want I want more. And I say no to this. So I want to talk to you about like what your life is like now after the heartbreak years. Who are you prioritizing? How are you prioritizing yourself? And what are you saying no to?
1: You know, what I've been thinking a little bit about lately is that I'm, I'm, I am I'm feel like I'm saying no to to, like, the incredible. Like, I feel like as a single woman, I don't owe people an incredible life. Like, I don't have to say, well, I'm not married and I didn't have kids so that I could, like, travel the globe and, like, become a New York Times bestseller. Like, like there's, like, the stakes become sort of high. Like, you have to have something to show for it. And it's like, you know what? Actually, it's also okay if I just, like you were saying, I want to sit at home and watch Pride and Prejudice and eat my popcorn. Because sometimes I feel like... I have friends that when they become single or, you know, their partner's going to watch the baby for the night, like, they just hit me up and they have these ideas that, like, I'm just, like, going out, partying all the time, like, doing this, doing that. And it's like, no, like, I spend an incredible amount of time at home by myself as a single woman. <laughs> like, you know, i have like, like sure, you, there's what you see on Instagram, but my my life is can be very quiet. And I'm just trying to remind myself, I don't have to feel bad about a Friday night. in. you know, like, I don't owe anyone fabulous, because I've chosen single or because these are the my circumstances have chosen single for me. So I'm releasing that that I have to have like this big, fabulous life and my life. Is fantastic in so many ways, and I appreciate all of those ways, but I don't want to be putting all of this additional pressure on myself. And then I'm also letting go of just like this fear of change because, you know, I moved back home to Louisville six years ago, and I fully believed, you know, I'm in my 30s now, I'm gonna come home, I'm gonna meet a partner, we're gonna buy a house, I'm gonna settle down, I'm gonna put down some roots. And those things did not happen. And instead of, you know, just kind of like being frustrated about the way things turned out, I'm trying to remain open and not seek out like an end point. Like, oh, I just like I got to get to this point. So then everything in my life is settled and then I can just coast through to my death so just (laughs) just realizing like there's still like i'm you know i'll be 40 in a couple years and there are still big changes to come like i just saw someone tweet about how their 81 year old aunt just picked up and moved to some country in africa she didn't say which country probably to protect her aunt's privacy (laughs) before anybody writes in and be like minda Africa is a continent. Yes, I know right. she didn't name the country, um, but yeah. But like this woman's eighty-one and moved to an entirely different continent, entirely different country, and I'm like, yeah, okay. Like the big changes, I just need to be ready and accept them when they come.
0: Well, and I think that that is that's so insightful because there is this narrative out there for for women. I think especially right, like it's like, oh, you have a biological clock. Also, false been disproven but like that we have like a limited time whereas men have all the time in the world and you know and and I think that like one thing that I learn every year is like how much more exciting my life gets now like I think at 20 I thought well my 20s were supposed to be the most exciting time and instead I spent those <laughs> times like i married to a person who hated doing things and renovating a home and sewing pillows. I sewed. I sewed throw pillows. Why did I do that? I hate it. And like, you know, I basically garage sailed and painted walls and that was my 20s. And then at the end of my 20s, I had babies. And now I'm like 40 and I am having so much fun. Like, um this podcast isn't gonna come out until a while after we talk but like I think in a couple weeks I'm gonna just go to Spain i wow like for with a friend for a couple of days like I'm
1: actually going to St. Louis right after we're done with this episode because there's an art exhibit I want to see so I'm just gonna I booked like there's this brand new hotel that just opened I'm gonna I booked myself a nice room I'm gonna go sleep in a fancy hotel room get up in the morning see the art exhibit and come back I, I love can. St.
0: Louis. I love <laughs> St. Louis. the The food is so good, and I think the that food
1: St. is so good. It's underrated.
0: People do not appreciate how much better of a city St. Louis is than Kansas City, and this is where I'm going to get angry email. But like the food in St. Louis <laughs> is so freaking good, and we do not talk about that enough. We don't talk about that.
1: No, I was actually there in July for a wedding. The art exhibit I want to see hadn't opened yet. But yeah, I was there for a wedding in July and I went to a few different restaurants around town. And I hadn't been to St. Louis since 2008 when I moved to California. Me and my high school sweetheart road tripped and we stopped our first stop was St. Louis and we ate at like Del Taco. So I didn't, you know, I didn't experience any culture really. But yeah, so this trip, this past trip in July, I went to these restaurants. I was like, "Oh my gosh, this is so delicious. These neighborhoods are so cute. These little independent bookstores. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful." I had some incredible mocktails. And so yeah, I'm going I'm going back tonight and I'm going to yeah, I'm going to have another lovely dinner, treat myself to a nice
0: brunch tomorrow. And hit up the museum. I I love this for you. Last question. When you date men, are they nervous? Are they, Have you have you had, like, guys be like, oh, what'd you write about me?
1: No, no. Men Good. love to be written about. They want to be <laughs> written about. They're mad when you don't
0: write about them.
1: When I tell them, like, oh, I, I wouldn't write about you, they look, like, offended and hurt. And it's like... It's like there oh. were so many men uh, from this very same era of my life that did not make the book mm-hmm. that were just as outlandish. But you know, <laughs> books can only be so long, and they need they need a narrative. Right. Arc. We can
0: only have so many crazy men before it just becomes. <laughs> before people trite. Are questioning like, it's questioning me, like, oh. yeah, there,
1: <laughs> there were many more that did not make the book. But yeah, I've never really. Ha- I've like okay, wait, actually, one time I did have a man express some some rage at the thought but I mean I don't know like <laughs> I try to especially at this point in my career yeah. I try to be very upfront with them that you know I am a writer I do write nonfiction. I do
0: write about dating this is my job yeah this is what I do and I'm very 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 good at it and you are very very good at it Thank you. um oh Yes. And I think that brings me back to how I discovered your writing is because, um, as I was saying in the beginning, you had written this like incredible essay, which I read in 2020 exactly at the time I needed it. And you were like, no, I actually want like romantic partnership, but I am not getting it right now, like because, you know, life, men are lonely, they're white nationalists they're not cleaning their mirrors. There are a lot of factors into going so going many into this there's that i have so no many. control over. Is that we have no control and we also don't talk about enough because people are like men are sad and lonely. It's like yeah, cuz they won't go to therapy like it, or buy new pillows. Like it, there's so many things. Like please buy new pillows. If you're okay. a man and you're listening to this, please. If you're a man and you're listening to this, buy <laughs> new pillows and also have Enough pillows if you want somebody to stay over. Wash your yes. sheets. Wash the sheets once a week. Of two pillows per person. Minimum. Two pillows. Yes, because you don't know. So you need two good pillows per person, and they can't just be the little twin size ones, like <laughs> like queen or king. I'm forty, so I'm like yeah. upping the a and Like, and the
1: pillowcase needs to fit. Like, it needs to fit needs to fit the pillow,
0: and it can't be stained. So, like, no it's got to be clean. <laughs> Like, and this is the bare minimum. We're not even getting into the toothbrush or the shower situation. Like. <laughs> um, but I, I loved um, I loved that intentionality. And I think that really helped me refocus my own feelings of sadness and loss. Because I was so isolated in the pandemic mm-hmm. in ways that I think I'm only really beginning to grapple with. Um, and, and I loved that you were saying, like, yes, this is something that I want. and Yes, this is something I'm still pursuing. But it's also not something I'm guaranteed because right. of the way that we have set up our world. So I need a way to find, to to take away my happiness or to to separate my own emotional well-being. Decouple. From, yeah. Decouple. <laughs> there it is. Yes. Uncu- consciously uncouple your emotional well-being from from what society says is success for women. And I just, right.
1: It's looking at marriage as a symbol versus marriage as a reality. And so when you see it as like the symbol of something like that, I've achieved this as a woman, I'm desirable, I'm lovable, then that's where a lot of the misery takes place. But when you look at marriage, what it is as a reality, you know, that it's an institution, that it's not guaranteed, that it's not always ideal, all of these different things, you are able to approach it a lot more rationally, just like how we're allowed to like want certain things out of our career and have not achieved them we're allowed to be disappointed by that but then also have a different job that pays our bills and that's okay like we should also be able to express you know if we don't have a relationship or have the relationship that we want that we're disappointed in that but also I can do these other things for fulfillment in life.
0: I think marriage was a lot more honest when we saw, when we had just admitted it was a financial contract and nothing more. Like, I really think, like, decoupling marriage from financial well being made marriage because we never really did it is still all about financial well-being like look at our tax code but like but but like making it about like emotions and when we know and you write about this also and i've read like all your your dating <laughs> column which i love and you know where you write about this so well it's like you know you can you can be doing all the right things but then people aren't going to swipe right on you if you don't have the right color skin if you're not you know like if if there are all these factors that you literally can't control but we treat right coupling as this like meritocracy when it is not it is not at all it is random it's full of crap and as toxic as anything else in our culture amen This American Ex-Wife is a podcast created by me, Liz Lenz, and Zachary Orrin smith The most trusted mustache in all of podcasts. If you like what you heard, you can buy my book, This American Ex-Wife, which will be published on February 20th, 2024. Pre-orders help, so please pre-order my book through your local bookstore, bookshop.org, or wherever books are sold, and if it sounds like I'm begging you... I most certainly am. May I leave you with that thing that my grandma used to say when she was rocking me to sleep at night when I was a baby. May the dresses we burn light the way. I know what you're thinking. You Uh, want... uh. Our uh, God uh, is an awesome God to just like come. Can we? Do you think we can. Awesome you think we can get the, cra- the rights to our God is an awesome God? No, it is so expensive. It's gotta be. It's gotta be a million dollars. Jesus is. I'll just sing in those it right dividends. now. Let's sing it right now. You start us off. In the middle of the night, I God is an awesome God. Oh, it's Michael W. fucking Smith? I literally just pulled up the lyrics, and it is is. just the... It (laughs) is. No, but Um, Okay. He's a bad singer. Have you ever re-listened to... He's really flat. No, I haven't. He's, like, real flat. But he's just like... He's like... "Mm Is he's an awesome guy. He,
1: uh, he,
0: uh, he No, he. That would be too deep for him. He's. He's got this like mm-hmm. nasally flat register, okay. but he can like play the piano. I Love that for him. It's-